All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Misfit Nation. We just got back in from a great week in Hawaii. Just in time to get to work. Ugh. The flights are the worst part of this trip. You know it is. But when you arrive in Honolulu, it is sheer beauty. The views are amazing. The beaches are great. And going there for more than a vacation was the best. For a week, we were touristy. But we were also celebrating two huge events. Two of my brothers had life events in one week. One turned 50, the big 5-0. And we turned it up for him with a luau. The other, after a 28 years and a few days of service to the United States Air Force, hung up his boots and retired. Congratulations to both of them. In life, we all experience events that are traumatic. Some people are able to blanket out and drive on like nothing truly happened. I've been accused of this. I've seen others do this. And it's mesmerizing to see them cope through it. Others have different coping mechanisms that help them heal. But it may not be the best way. Whether it be using alcohol, drugs, or just doing adrenaline-fueled activities to get them to forget what happened. It has been said over and over, though, that laughter is the best medicine. I agree. It is something that truly helps. Our next guests are great at this. They both understand trauma and help others to understand what they're going through. And of course, they use laughter to get people heading in the right direction. So without further ado, let's get Joan and Jane, the therapy twins, on here. All right, so uh, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for being flexible for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess we'll get this thing started so I don't take all of your day away and uh, let you get back to that smell of Connecticut as you get Absolutely. through the day. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> With the occasional smell of a flower, Joan, come on. <laughs> Just mixed in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, lovely floral shit. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Joan's the... Um, comedian over here okay so go ahead and share a little bit about your story about how all this got started for you well jane's the older twin so she'll have to do that go ahead (laughs) well you know for for ages we were nurses then we were nurse practitioners or therapists and stuff since 1980 something but then um two (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then at some point we were just kind of tired of the system and the stigma of everything, including mental illness. So um, it was always frowned upon to, for the professional to come out with their own mental illness. So we thought, you know what, let's just come out with our own. And then some- and it kind of ran us out of the profession. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we wrote what, this- the book is great. we wrote this little book, ADD friendly. It's very very because we kept editing and cutting things out because it was boring. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, we brought um, brought to the table a few tidbits that aren't in traditional, say, therapy sessions that helped us. And and we brought the stories of how we didn't get better. We wouldn't get better. We couldn't get better, whatever. And finally in our fifties, it was like, okay, uncle, we'll just try a couple of those coping skills and maybe yeah. get better. Cause you know, what's less attractive than um, a two year old <laughs> having a temper tantrum is a 55 year old having one. And you know, it's just really unbecoming. <laughs> And we were a little tired of it. Especially, yeah, among ourselves our, as wait, well. I think our family and friends were tired of it. Yeah. Right. Okay. 
Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So you started the Therapy Twins after that. And uh, do you go around to places and, and do, a, I guess, comedic relief for people or do they just come to you? Well, you know, what's sad is we, we would have, but COVID hit and it was like, oops, I guess that meant we had to what practice. I don't know. So yeah, we, we, we used to have people in the waiting room laughing though, as if they wanted to buy tickets to the show, they used to call it the show. And they actually, they did say you should be seen as well because it's, um, we were never, praised as nurses because our hair was never in place i guess it has to be you have to appear neat and you know maybe we didn't we didn't look like barbie at or, all or ken by now yeah no we didn't have that neat so anyway yeah we have you have to be seen and heard because when they say disheveled in psychiatry i don't i use that very carefully because i could look disheveled <laughs> myself and i consider that normal okay right. Plus the new normal anyway. After a year of everyone hiding in their houses, they're coming out. Everyone looks crazy, that crazier than they did a year ago. So I guess it is the new normal. Yeah. Thank goodness for us. <laughs> and the mask was quite easy. You didn't really have to do anything. You thought, oh, nobody will recognize me in this this mask anyway. So yeah, I, I guilty of just going out and I saw somebody. Oops, I saw somebody I knew. Kept going. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> it, was, it was a year to get away with the, I don't want to talk to you for the time. Because you had to be careful with COVID if you were one of those people that preferred to be alone. You know, humans were pack animals. But if you have really bad PTSD, you tend to go solo, which gets you into trouble and then attract like-minded, irrational individuals, which gets you into more trouble. So then with COVID, some of us were like, wow, you mean to tell me I can stay in my pajamas and not go to work today? That was like unbelievable. People would go, don't you miss other people? No, my twin sister's a few feet above me. No, I don't. My other sister's down the hall. Awesome. <laughs> the male person. I, I even know that person. That was plenty of conversation for me for the day. Outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Uh, I was fixing my phone. Made the made the mistake of doing it now. <laughs> so, so I mean that helps. Uh, you said that about uh, PTSD and uh, hiding behind the the realm of it, and soldiers do it all the time, and it's yeah. become a real bad problem for uh, this generation of soldiers. Because if you're not, if you're seeking help, you're perceived you were perceived as weak years ago, and then when you do get help, you're also perceived as not useful to the unit. So now soldiers, they try to hide it until it's way too late. And they, by the time they get help, they're already on their way out the door because they did something else because they got to a bad habit, uh, either drugs or alcohol yep. or whatever. And by that time, it's too late. I think if they brought laughter into their lives or something or even just yelled every once in a while, they feel a lot better. And that, I mean, that helped me yelling a bunch and uh, running Absolutely. a lot. Of you like know, one it. of the other reasons we came out with our own mental illness <laughs> as masters prepared nurses um, you know, we have a, a couple degrees of, of sciences behind us and we are in the profession and we both have different types of trauma histories. And one of the, the reasons we're coming out with it is not just to help. Um, well, we are helping the masses, but one of the reasons was we our hearts are very drawn 
to where there's a stigma and with with the veterans and we all know i mean we joan and i grew up with the vietnam war we were really really little but we saw that the soldiers came back and weren't welcome and then you're right if a soldier admits that they need help they're perceived as weak and then they get help and they're now perceived as i think you said not useful because they think that taking a medicine for your mind is somehow worse than taking a medicine for your body and there you know there's multiple side effects to all medications and it's just a terrible thing and what we would like to say is we've both been medicated we have both been diagnosed with mental illness and we have both lived very high functioning accomplished lives while medicated and while not medicated <laughs> wow jane but I want, wait, I would like to remind people though, is when you have PTSD and you don't get the proper treatment, whatever that is, you go for a high risk job and that makes you feel alive again. And as we did, inpatient psychiatric nurses are more likely to get injured than construction workers statistically. And we've both been there as well. And it is a scary, it can be a scary profession, even though, of course, the whatever violence among mental, the mentally ill and the po uh, general population is very similar. Anywho, yeah. That's definitely true. They try a lot of uh, my first deployment in 0304, we came home from Iraq and a lot of soldiers needed that adrenaline rush after. So they were picking up activities that were way, way too crazy for the time. Yep. And a lot of them were getting hurt and uh, some of them actually died from trying to find that adrenaline rush again that we had while we're in combat for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you just can't replicate it. There has to be a way to come down differently than trying to kill yourself. Absolutely. And what Joan just said, it, it should be kind of common knowledge. It should be out in the, with the public, like the public should know, you know, I would like, I would have liked my therapist back in the day, my medicator to kind of acknowledge that, you know, I took some high risk positions. You know, I did um, critical care. Um, I had to master the idea of what would I do if someone stopped breathing or if their heart stopped. And I'm not saying any of any of this is done without anxiety. In fact, Joan and I, we have had anxiety since birth. <laughs> I think we have both. I know I have. Um, broken out in full body hives yeah. more than once. In, and this is not a, an allergic reaction. It was uh, caused by anxiety. And, you know, why isn't this stuff common knowledge? Why isn't it that we adore people that come out and say that they've been broken or traumatized? Because we know how useful people become secondary to experiences. You know, how do you master, you know, cooking or baking through experience, not by just reading a book? Right. Right. But yeah. we, but but we still carry the stigma as if as if we're all supposed to be these perfect icons, which I think is the direction of the world. We want everything to be robotic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I just want to inter say to the high risk um, relationships. I've had a share of those. So not hey, only if you can't find the job, find a that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I almost got that tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with police involvement, you know, it was always helpful <laughs> because then you really did feel like, oh, he really does love, <laughs> love me. Oh, boy. Anyway, anyway, or like the high risk behaviors, substance abuse, alcohol. I mean, we totally reach for alcohol. In fact, people have admitted to me 
where, you know, they were afraid to say it, that they drank enough alcohol just to get a few hours of sleep. And you know what? I have too. It's, it's horrific because our community doesn't help us anymore. 1982 and 84, I was wondering why, why did those people get better? Why did long-term psychiatric patients that were totally would have gotten full disability today, why did they get better? We had art therapy, recreational therapy, occupational therapy. We took people out to lunch and re, how reintegrate into society and went mm -hmm. to classes with them to, to school. They went from a high locked unit, high risk down to the second and down to the first. And then they came out. Now it's a revolving door. Well, we're mm -hmm. not going to get better with the revolving door. And what you're creating is the saber tooth tiger. You are creating a killing machine. With your words or our actions, we will we will uh, accommodate you. Um, the whole world will yeah. accommodate you because I've been there. Uh -huh. Okay, Woo. that's a lot. <laughs> Sorry. But by, by right now, what we've become is a pill nation, and we think that there's a miracle pill for everything, and there just isn't. Sometimes for a little while, and you and you're thinking, oh wow, you have a sigh of relief. But all those therapies that Joan was talking about, including music therapy and pet therapy and some of the arts and crafts that we did, and taking people places, what we were doing and teaching cognitive oh, right. behavioral therapy, you know, including the thought process, what we were really doing mm -hmm. was trying to make the changes in the brain and the body, and I like to add and the soul, because mm -hmm. that's kind of person I think I am. And we were making those kinds of long lasting changes so that the person felt safe again in normal activities where if they were abused as a child, an adolescent or an adult or saw the abuse, they were unable to go back to that because we, we changed our visceral effects when we went to war, like you were saying, we changed that. We needed to come back to change those visceral effects. You know, we, you, fought for the world peace and then you come home and you don't ever find peace it's ridiculous sorry you're right it, it took i retired in 2015 i really did not get help until uh june 2015 i got help mid 2016 probably was the first time i had someone actually listen listen to me about what the things i was going through since 2003. So. It, it, it was a long road to get to that point. And it's, uh, I'm glad that I was able to, I guess, <laughs> start that trail. So soldiers now actually get help earlier. They get help when they kind of need it. I see it now where actual people, NCOs and leaders look out for their soldiers a little more now and uh -huh. look out for each other more. That's the big thing. Because leaders usually don't look out for each other. They look out for who's below them and they let themselves just melt away inside. Yep. Absolutely. Because in order to reintegrate into society, we have to suppress the, the feelings, the um, intense feelings that we're feeling that are so negative and, and trying to protect ourselves to survive. So what we do physically is we deaden those feelings so that we can go out into society and not have the adrenaline that Ted Bundy had. You know, you, serial killers are the ones that had the high high, um, excuse me, the low levels of adrenaline, excuse me, because the uh, experiment was give these men adrenaline and see if they can calm the fuck down and integrate into society. And they did. That's scary. Because how do we do that today? How do we right. get our adrenaline levels moderated well, or modulated? What I what I think is that if we could change society, if we could 
tweak society just a little bit to have mentors. And, and I think we're doing that. I think that um, I did hear of a uh, paramedic group that started mentoring each other. It was a really good thought. And, but it's kind of new. But, you know, back in the olden days, I mean, there were more mentor, mentors. There were people that they wouldn't just make you squash all of this stuff. I mean, now if a kid starts having a, you know, an adolescent starts screaming or whatever they're doing, parents have been known to take doors off of the bedroom (laughs) area. And we all know that adolescents need privacy. So one thing that we loved about our parents, who, by the way, our dad is, uh, was a Korean war veteran. And that's like, yeah, what a wonderful man with, with PTSD. (laughs) We would, but the one thing our parents allowed is that normal adolescent, uh, those waves that come that it's often uh, screaming (laughs) or slamming a door they allowed it. And, and we are, we have an older sister too. We are so grateful that they allowed this venting without, I mean, what well, maybe our dad said, you're crazy, but you know what? All women are, they say. So, <laughs> right. So they say it and, you know, I say crazy is really creative, but you know, you, you, you take it any way you want. <laughs> Say what you say what you can afford to say at that point. As a man. <laughs> yeah, the adolescence thing. I missed most of my daughter's adolescence because I was away a lot, and uh, it kind of caught up with me after I retired. That's when I finally got to know her, and she wrote a book, and I went on a book tour with her. Oh wow! And that was like my first time to really be with her because I was never around through from her basically from her birth till I retired because I was gone all the time, and finally getting to know her and now we're really close even though she doesn't she doesn't love me no more she's married so she just comes here for lunch and to raid my pantry now sure it's <laughs> like having a, a new little best friend now that uh, i got to know her after all those years so it, it was really helpful not to be here i guess during her adolescent uh yeah tirade or her wave of emotions because my wife had to deal with all that and thank god she was strong Because that's the time in our lives we have the highest dopamine levels. And then guess who has the other highest dopamine levels is when you're diagnosed as a schizophrenic. So that really helped me understand that that behavior I had that was pretty irrational. Even to this day, anxiety can be irrational with with PTSD victims. But it's unfortunate that um, the brain changes that happen is we're unable to distinguish between irrational and rational or a threat and a normal uh, activity of daily living. I remember there was a spoon on a holiday that a a Vietnam veteran was my brother-in-law. He's passed now. That poor guy. He put the spoon. (laughs) (laughs) I was vegetarian at the time. And he put the spoon that had touched either meat or fish into the area where I got to eat, whether it was pasta or vegetables. And boy, that whole, I think that holiday, I don't even remember it because I used to have blackout anger, but that was a goner. <laughs> that holiday left in zero to less than zero to 60. I don't even, I think it was in the next year by then, but that poor guy, he got my wrath. I really fought with him quite a bit. Continued the war for him. He was a participant, <laughs> Jane. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I don't know why I'm jumping. I'm just going to jump Please to something that, that I just had a quick memory Ooh. of how we treat our um, basically anyone with PTSD after a few minutes. Right. 
because um, it can be difficult to deal with someone with PTSD. But remember, it was called um, shell shock and years and years and years ago. And, and um, I had a, 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 I don't know, a teacher uh, with shell. They kept saying he had shell shock. And um, he was a really good teacher. But I just remember everybody mocking him and laughing about him behind his back. Oh, not, in not, real life, you were the student. And I was, was the student. Teacher. It was oh. wor- world something or other. Did wor- I know world him? Civ. I don't want to say his name in case I'm not supposed to. You don't to. have to. Just tell uh, me, did I, I don't know think him? so. I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, he acted bizarre. And, you know, uh, oh, the, that ecstag- uh, ecstag- exaggerated startle yeah. and uh, some temper tantrums and stuff. Back when that was really not a big deal in the classrooms, the teachers could lay hands on it on a student back in the olden days but anyway the lack of respect for this man I often think of him mm-hmm. you know in my own growing process and um, hoped I I only hope that I did not join in with with the other kids oh, um, oh. you know because laughter a lot of times people laugh out of uncomfortableness anxiety fear etc so anyway um yeah we um we haven't come a long way and that was in the 70s we We've come a little ways, I think, but we need to come a lot further. And the, one of the, again, the reason we came out with our own mental illness in this book is to say, you know what? We've got it. We've, we've, I've raised a child on my own. Uh, Joan actually has two master's degrees in science, high functioning people in society. And you know what? You know what? We're not, ri- we're not broken. You know, we don't have any casts on. We're not limping. Well, Joan sometimes does. <laughs> Uh, that was a whole nother diagnosis. But you know what? We didn't spontaneously combust. We didn't kill anybody. We didn't, you know, drive off of a whatever. We've both been suicidal. I'd like that to come right out right now. Oh, yeah. You know, different styles of, of suicidal thinking with different styles of trauma. Yeah. So, but it is getting better, people say, for the veterans I met. Yes. I think it's all getting better, like you said, uh, from uh, the morphing when they used to use the therapies back in uh, the early days there in the 70s, 80s, to where they were just basically uh, going. It's like walking into a pharmacy, going to a doctor. When I yep. first, you know, my soldiers would first go to them, they'd come back looking like zombies because they were just giving them a cocktail of stuff to do everything at one time instead of trying to figure out what actually worked. And uh, now, fast forward now, I, I see veterans going to equine therapy. I see them doing the painting. Are going on, they take them on uh, adventures like up in the mountains and stuff to make them test themselves again and just actually talk to humans and there not just. And well, a that's lot of them are- wonderful mm-hmm. news because you know mm-hmm. you're what you're what you're saying is what was happening in 1982 to 85 or six when it changed was those visceral feelings are now changing because you're doing activities and you're safe. Nothing happened to you. You weren't violated. You didn't break, like Jane said. And that's what we have to go back to. But, you know, like, I don't know if you, I don't know about a soldier, but if a nurse sits is sitting down, I think Jane used to say, taught, thinking in her head about a better treatment plan for the patient, um, you, you know, you were looked at about from the nurse managers are, you know, get to work, get busy. Because if you weren't moving constantly, you weren't a good employee. So that's why I think some of those things, they took them away. But what they did, they took away humanity, which is meant, is needed for a recovery. It really is needed. Like the, the elk who's almost killed by the lion. The whole tribe takes that elk back, allows her regression. Oh, God, you can't have regression. 
in psychiatric <laughs> care anymore. Back in the 80s, we knew they would regress many years. You know, so you treated them actually like if you had a broken arm or a broken leg or if you were mis you were burned. You treat those patients, wow, like they are babies. But in psychiatry, when they come in now, if they vomit, they clean up their own vomit. I left in, I think, 06 was the last time I worked inpatient. But it people, staff were suing psychiatric patients <laughs> for an injury or an assault if they got a piece of the card, a piece of the coffee table that was flung broke apart and the wood hit you i'm gonna sue you now and, and and charge you with assault when that person's a patient and if we treated them like a child when they came in like we do for medical patients we even microwave blankets prior to surgery just so you're all warm google google i mean are you kidding me instead again the stigma is <laughs> is immense so i can't imagine how we treat soldiers as the same way if they're a man you know man up pull your skirt up and get on with it. It's unbelievable how we treat humans. Okay. And that's, that's exactly how it was for forever. <laughs> if you were a male soldier and you sought help, you were basically shunned and put out. Yeah, and ladies, that. get yourselves together. Yeah. Absolutely, I know. Yeah, because exactly. sometimes I feel trapped in a, which body do I feel trapped in? Oh, a man's body because you are a female. Because I'm a female. <laughs> Jane pointed out to me recently that when I refer to some of my body parts, I actually refer to them as male. And I thought, huh, interesting point for somebody in the profession. Mm -hmm. I observed I observed something just this morning that Joan referred to. We were looking out um her window and there were these plants and I don't know if you've heard they said don't mow your lawn blah 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 because we need the bees to start pollinating um yeah. so leave some brush and this and that so Joan has these really lovely bushes outside and she says she saw some bees <laughs> what I said and I, in my head I was thinking as I saw the bee I said isn't she isn't she lovely and Joan said oh what a good boy I did <laughs> didn't I so you even referred to nature as he Ooh. Ooh. Good, good thing uh, I good thing Joan, I don't believe in God because I don't refer to him a, as he. Joan, there's a what? balance. Jane <laughs> keeps telling me there's a gray area. <laughs> there's a balance. Life isn't fair, and there's an area of gray. I don't like that because if life were fair, I believe you know we would all get along. No, no, no. we're going okay. way too robotic. Okay. Everything, there's not a thing that's politically correct at the moment. I, you know, people are on their tippy toes. No one knows how to speak anymore. It's you, cause you can't say things that you, you know, you, used know, to say. you know how they say there's muscle memory. You haven't ridden a bicycle in 25 years. You get on the bike, you know how to ride it. Yes. There's muscle memory. Yeah. There's, as there's mind memory in, in trauma, now, there's this mind alone. And, and, and body. Do you hear Jane? This alone validates. Do you know how much people make fun of Jane? Because <clears throat> Jane is very serious, like the Smothers Brothers. I'm Tommy. Jane is Dick. Dick. And what our <laughs> clients used to say was, Jane's brilliant. Joan, do you realize how smart your sister is? Oh my God, she is a genius. And I would be like, fuck you. I'm sorry. I have schooling too. Hello. <laughs> But when Jane comes out with stuff like DNA being exchanged between mother and fetus and stuff like this, she's saying right now, you know, she really does know how to pull wisdom out of a few paragraphs that she has actually read. <laughs> Thanks.
You're wonderful. Welcome. I don't know what we were talking about, Me but this either. is just. It got awesome though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gene, it was supposed to be really good though. Oh, I know. It was. Oh, <laughs> memory, muscle memory. You ride a bike and your me your body remembers how to ride the bike. The mind has memory too. Go. Wonderful. What, what were we talking about? I don't though? know, but you had a thought right after that. That's when you went on that the turn. Oh, Joan, you Woo! are sorry. You meditating. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. Don't be. Okay. It'll come back if it's important. You said that to me the other yeah, day. Um, I gotta say, I, I gotta say, I, I did hear that in the VA in um, close to us in West Haven. Um, I won't reveal my source. Um, <laughs> that they actually have a, a committee of staff, and I'm not sure, you know, how long they serve on this committee or if they swap around, um, bringing in new people. But what they do if a, if a veteran suicides, they um, get this committee together. And they go through the chart with a fine tooth comb. They interview the clinicians and the doctors and then, um, you know, a medical and psych to make sure that everything had been done. And if somebody has a thought like, wait a minute, we didn't send, you know, Mr. So-and-so to blah, blah. You know, they really look into that to try to broaden um, the areas of support. And I only hope that they think about those uh, things that we experienced in the eighties that were so helpful for patients um, suffering from all mental illness, veterans or not. And it was the um, getting into back into the community basically with, you know, music therapy, pet therapy, arts and crafts. But did you hear they want to take PTSD out of the DSM, which is the psych Bible of diagnoses uh, because it's really, it's not a mental illness. It's a reaction to trauma. I heard that. It's wow. not. It, it's still in there, but did of anyone course else hear that? that? No, I have not heard that. Not yet. Well, I have heard that, and then I thought I also heard that it was um, entered late into processes. But we're we're leaning towards too politically correct, and when I say that word, I mean it in all, at least in you know, in the psychiatric realm. Uh, there's people, they're, they're carrying seven diagnoses. It's, it's kind of, it's almost getting laughable. So we're overly labeling. We're overly saying you cannot say blank. You cannot do blank. And in, in what, we're tr what we're doing is we're turning everyone into a, an Android or an iPhone. Oh, we're, a person who's going to have to go in the closet and live because they're not, they have no filter like most just, of us. And we're going to say much. something. And instead of allowing it and then allowing teaching afterwards, you're going to put it back in the closet where it doesn't belong. All right. Right. That's right. There's no teaching in that. Yes. Okay. That's what we meant to say. Jane meant to say. More specific. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what we're doing now with this whole cancel culture stuff. If someone makes a mistake or steps on an eggshell, they're done forever. They're right. done forever, which is crazy because we know discipline is teaching. Well, Jane so, knows. So why not just teaching. teach the person that, you know, get some supervision and, you know, maybe you could have said it this way. Maybe you didn't have to say it at all. Instead or, of getting fired, because what's going to happen is you're right. They're now banned forever. They're going to go suicide or go live homeless on Skid Row. Yeah. And the people don't realize you take somebody's livelihood away from them and, you know, they're not ready to become a monk. They will. You'll eventually kill yourself. It, it's horrible. Yep. 
Yep. And you know, when, and when I was a new nurse, I went later and didn't want to be one. So 82, 83, 1984, my first job, which was in that long-term facility with the wonderful art and whatever, I made five major errors, which no one died. Thank you very much. But a, a couple of people did get beat up or it was dangerous anyway, including you. Including so anyway, during my evaluation, I not only got a raise, um, well, there was one other thing I got. I don't recall. I didn't get fired. I got a raise. <laughs> I said, I don't understand. Why aren't you firing me? Because, you know, in my head, I was gone. And uh, the director of nursing said, you did not make the same mistake twice, which showed movement or progress. Now that isn't today. Today, the nurse makes a mistake. I've seen it. They are walked out by security and it's a diabetic mistake. She was actually teaching a patient on how to uh, give their own insulin and she was a new nurse. So, okay. She wasn't supposed to lift up her sleeve or her shirt, but you know, no real body parts were being shown, but because the psychiatric patient was aroused and told the psychiatrist that nurse was walked off the unit and who knows what profession she's going to go into today, but we may have lost a good nurse. Well, I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah. I feel like a preacher today. Wow. Okay. You're on it there. That was good. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you a... think when you think about um even in our sick prison system, which is really yeah. that's a whole nother story, but you know, you commit, for example, um child pornography based on the number of, of views of real child pornography, there's a little algorithm on, you know, this many views is this much time in jail. You know, we have set sentences. But for the person who said something politically incorrect on tell a newscaster. And don't get me started with the the news. The news people have misquoted me, but that's not the point. The point is, is why are they banned now for life? Because people don't realize we're so quick to do that lynching, that metaphorical that lynching and stoning. But we're killing people. We're not helping anybody. Yeah. It's just breeding a very unforgiving society. And anyway, one of the things Therapy Twins is into nowadays is teaching, you know, let's bring it back, tolerance, compassion, forgiveness, et cetera. And laughter, please. That's like, my goodness. Joan was, had our mother laughing as soon as, soon as she came out of her womb. <laughs> <laughs> and then every day after that. Yeah. And you know, like, because my father was in the Korean war, he used to call me his army buddy. And I know we have to end, but um, he, my mom never liked swearing and or, or anything. And I hope you can edit stuff out. But one of my favorite words was cunt. And my father would be like, oh, my God, Joan, I can't, I can't say that in front of your mother. So unfortunately, I'm 60 now. And I used to feed stray cats in New Haven. And I feel like, wow, cat lady, how many do you have now? Um, but my father would say, Joan, I'm going to come with you just to help feed the cats. It wasn't to help feed the cats. It was so he could swear for, I think it's 16 miles to where we'd go to New Haven. And yeah, he would swear. And then on his on the way home and we'd park, he was like, wow, that felt great. And he and my mom used to get along. So I think I helped the marriage. Woo. You helped along the marriage. Yeah, yeah I did. Laughter is the best medicine. They say comedy is so helpful and I didn't look it up, but there are brain changes with laughter. So if people really are depressed, I always say, you know, check out this comedian or check out this thing. Cause I literally have stand-up routines in my own bed and I burst out laughing and then I, I don't ever write it down. Somebody said, write it down. If it's not improv for me, it's not funny if it's already staged. So I really don't know how comedians are comedians because I don't mm -hmm. think I could do that. 
when they rehearse the whole bit for for days yeah. and days and weeks. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how then they think it's funny because uh, to me it's not if I repeat something that made Jane fall off a chair or my exes. <laughs> that's my real my real um, audience. Yeah, my exes. I try to make sure that they laugh. You know the ones that won't speak. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that I traumatized in my whatever the word is m e masculating men, the ones that I mean I truly felt like I was in the male body, and it's like, what are you? Come on, that skirt looks hideous. <laughs> <laughs> but those they don't. Some of them don't talk to me, and it's like, you wow, you're really missing out because I am really funny. <laughs> I'm the funniest person I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, you're, you're definitely right. Laughter does uh, heal the soul. And uh, that, uh, those, those videos all over over the Internet, you can watch of people making error, making mistakes or filming uh, bloopers that make me laugh all day. And that helps me out a lot now. And, yeah. you know, when I get to work with soldiers in the woods and see them make mistakes where they don't die and uh, it's actually humorous, I laugh then, too. So it's fun. And that That's makes everything make the world go around. Yeah. So, I'm just about to wrap up here. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you to make you, uh, how have you have them laugh their way to, to through therapy? <laughs> well, the easiest learning disability, because I have one way to get, in, to look at all the social media, all the, whatever we are. And we have a couple of blog things. We don't blog guest, 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 <laughs> um, is our website. So it's just therapy twins, one word, all lowercase therapytwins.com. And then you'll see these two that look identical. And that's it. Everything's on that website. Our book, our um, laughing mm -hmm. stories. If you have a question, media. if you have a question, the answer's already there. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> the answer's already there. But we actually have a spot that if you have a question, you can actually ask us. And then we'll get back to you on that one. You know, within, within a year. <laughs> oh, because we're Leos as well. Like, sorry, we're resting today. Today's the day of rest. Okay, sorry. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks again for your patience and thanks for being on. Uh, have a great day in Connecticut. Thanks. You too out there in Tennessee. Oh, bye bye. <laughs> oh, wait. Thank you. You're welcome. That was great chatting and wow, a lot of laughing with Joan and Jane. They have a gift that helps people find a better path after trauma. Check out their link in the show notes. So you know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on The Misfit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible if you want to. Please become a supporter to help us carry this on. We appreciate you. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we all... The Misfit Nation.